It's great to see you this morning. Thanks for being here. Um, we're um, <clears throat> continuing to uh, try and go on this journey together to see um, what the Lord's doing and saying to us here in Emmanuel Portadown. It's wonderful to see just a great crowd every week and people intrigued by what the Lord's doing. And hopefully um, this week and, and last week, if you were here, we um, were sharing a little bit about who we are, who we who we think the Lord's calling us to be. And um, uh, we hope that that bring some stability and security and some roots to what we want to put down. Um, not necessarily just in this place, but in the kind of family God's calling us to be here in, in Portadown. And so I'm going to, this morning, um, it's, it's kind of like a two-part from last week, so I'll do a quick recap on last week, just in case you weren't here, and, and, and flow then into some of the things that we feel God's placing on our hearts as we go forward. And Chris is going to come and help me in that. And we're going to uh, sort of tag team that and try and finish as prompt as we can to leave some time to to respond to some ways that we could get in, involved. Um, so l- last week um, we were uh, describing a little bit of the story that we've been on so far. Um, not just our own stories individually, but the story of God that's been unfolding on the, in this area and the privilege it is to step into that story and be part of that story. It was great to get some great feedback last week of how you may feel that that has been landing and the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And, um, and I think week by week, day by day, we're becoming more and more aware of just the incredible ways that God and his grace is weaving our stories together um, individually and collectively. Um, it's beautiful just to see, uh, just almost in the surreptitious kind of ways that the Holy Spirit and the way God kind of dances amongst us and in our lives, to weave, weave them together um, for a new chapter in our story, even in the tough times that we've all faced um, as individuals. But we, we said that we really want to orientate our story um, biblically in the story of Nehemiah and how the Lord's been speaking to us about that over the last few weeks and how I think the scripture's on the screen. I'll not take time to read it again, but how in the first chapter of Nehemiah we read, Nehemiah had been um, one of the people, that uh, children of Israel, that went to Babylon and Jerusalem had been his city and he left the place where he'd become the cupbearer. He left the place of the palace, the place of comfort. He'd done really well for himself, but he was curious about what was going on in his own City, And when he heard that Jerusalem's walls had been broken down and that things were in a really, really bad way, and it was a third line there, in great affliction and reproach, uh, something happened in his heart. Something seized his heart. He started to feel the, the pain and the pathos and the, um, the emotion, I think, of God. And when God grips our hearts about brokenness, we can't really stay where we are because God, as we grow in intimacy with him, he starts to do what he always wanted to do was invite us into a kind of co-partnering with him to carry his heart into the world in which we live. The most dangerous prayer that you could ever pray is that simple little prayer, Lord, um, help me break my heart for what breaks yours. Because yeah, it'll just totally wreck your life. But it'll be the most rewarding and adventurous life that you could ever imagine. But Nehemiah kind of did that. And he allowed his heart to be broken for what was breaking God's. And, and so he leaves this place of comfort and privilege and he goes back to Jerusalem. And when he's going back to Jerusalem, he sees the state of the walls and he decides to do something about it. So first of all, he's moved by his heart and then he starts to bring his skills and his leadership to the table and he starts to see change and transformation happen because his desire is to push back that slur, to push back that reproach, to push back that shame that has come over his city. Uh, the reproach will not be the final word, even though the enemy would like 
the reproach that Jerusalem has felt, the shame that it feels to be the final world, the wor- word, sorry, and, and Nehemiah has, has kind of got this attitude, not, not on my watch really, is what he's saying. And I suppose we feel this carries massive inspiration for us um, in this particular area where you know, there's, a, there's an element of slur and reproach about where we live and we want to do something about that. We want to um, push back that slur. We believe that where God has called us to live amongst the people that he's called us to live amongst, that this should be a good place to grow up in and a good place to grow old in, that God would want us on our watch to seek the peace and the shalom of this city and to be active in and amongst the people that God has called us to, to see him do something in this nation that would change that reproach. It's true destiny, it's true purpose, the designs that God had for this place, that's what we want to lean towards. And we do feel... As I said last week, all preachers probably think this about their own area. But we do feel that if we can see something unlocked on this area, we can see something unlocked in the nation, particularly here in the north. Because I think this area serves as a bit of a microcosm for the strongholds that exist in our land. And if we can see them weakened and disempowered and the glory of Jesus and his kingdom breaking through amongst the poor and the lost and the broken in this area, we believe that God can do something in, in the nation. But part of... Part of us kind of moving on that and, and um, seeing this happen is first of all being courageous and honest enough, I think, to identify where we have already adopted that sense of reproach. Uh, you know, we've, we, we, just by nature of sometimes growing up in a culture, you can adopt a way of thinking. I think that's why Paul said to the church, you know, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so sometimes individually we feel reproach, you know, we feel, we feel shame. It presents itself like in a, in, a, in a self-confidence that actually below it is just scared, yeah, and, and feeling shame and insecure and not worthy. And so we, we feel we need to perform or be religious or do other things to show that we're not. So first of all, we have to kind of deal with that. And then the problem is we also adopt that towards one another. So, you know, we said that last week, even in our own, in our own towns between Lurgan and, and Portadown, and other, we, we become a reproach to one another. And uh, we feel like the Lord wants to do something about that. And so we, we sense that God is saying um, what he wants here in Emmanuel Portadown is, um, and not just here and other churches as well, but what God is looking for is a people who will move in what we would say the opposite spirit. So when, when, there's, a, when there's a prevalent kind of, narrative or our way of thinking over an area and we, we want to move in the opposite spirit to that people who will move in the jesus way and so first of all what does that mean that means first of all that we really get a handle on being sons and daughters or what we say sonship or their daughtership but sonship in the in the general mankind man and woman kind of way that we would be fully formed sons and daughters of god Marked out by the spirit of adoption, by which we cry, Abba, Father. That, that's first and foremost what we want to be, that we, don't, we stop carrying shame and condemnation and all the things that, that Jesus died that we wouldn't have to feel and carry, that we'd, that we'd become who we were originally designed to be and carry his ways. And, and secondly, because of a revelation of that sonship, that we would become people of honor, that we would learn how to honor one another, we would recognize the honor on our own souls, and then we'd be able to operate in that honor to one another. And then we would be able to teach the city and the people of this area how to honor one another and not be a reproach to one another. 
Let me just explain this a little bit more before we get a bit more practical this morning. Psalm 8 says this, great psalm. I just don't have time to read the whole psalm this morning, but it tells us that David at the start of the psalm says, O Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. God writes, just by the way, God writes glory in the heavens, right? So God has written glory over Craigavon, Lurgan and Portadown. There may be demonic strongholds and all of that, and there is, but over and above all of that, God has written glory, right? So we need to see that glory released and that favour released. It's not like we have to twist God's arm up his back to see if he loves us or he's got any good designs for us, right? It's position. We just have to step into the flow of it and believe God that it will be further released in and over this town and city. But not only does he place it above the heavens, do you know where else he places it? Above your life. If you're an image bearer of God, made in his image, then this is what it says. You have made man after David... Um, I should have read the whole psalm. But after David uh, basically describes all of creation, the moon and the stars that you've made, yeah, when I look at the heavens, he's amazed. You, know, you can imagine he's writing this at the top of a mountaintop or something, and he's going, wow, look at your majesty and your glory. And then he says, but then you've made man. Like man and, and, and woman, people in your image, and you've made them a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you've crowned them with glory and honor. And you've given him dominion over the work of your hands. So here's the thing. You're crowned. We were crowned with glory and honor. Sometimes when you're in the presence of the Lord and it comes, I feel myself, it, I feel like a weight, but it's not like heavy. It's like a lightweight. And it's like resting on my head. And what is that? I, I think it's the, it's the crowning of the glory of God. That's what Jesus died to give us back. And, and so we've been, we've been created as people of honor. But the problem has been that since the Garden of Eden, we decided that we would rather have our own honor. Yeah, you know, if you eat of this tree, you can be like God. I, I would rather be God myself than allow God to be God. And so, this sin, selfish gene that's been in us and we're born in corrupts, corrupts the original glory that we were supposed to know, right? So, there was original glory and so there is original sin. We hear a lot about that in this country, yeah? There was original sin, but before there was original sin, there was original glory, yeah? And we were, we were crowned with glory and honor to rule on the earth as God called us to. But the problem was that sin separated us from God and God's best, if you like, for us and corrupted and twisted and perverted the glory and honor that he placed in us. And so the dominion, he gave him dominion. Like, we even use that word, part of me even cringes because... That word just becomes so negative in our culture, isn't it? Because all our, 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 so many of our understandings of dominion and authority are negative now. Because the image of God in us has been, has been so tainted by selfishness and sin and power and all of that kind of thing. But if we can lay our lives down and die to ourselves and allow God to restore his honor, we can also move in the compassionate authority that God has called us to, to see his kingdom come on the earth. And that's what Jesus died for. By his own blood, he has made us, Revelation tells us, a kingdom of priests that somehow we, we get back this original glory and honor. We move towards it. And we become these people of honor where we recognize the honor that God has placed on us that we didn't deserve. And if we get a right understanding of that, then we can honor one another. So you could say that the opposite of reproach is honor. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine people from Portadown and saying to people in Lurgan and, and 
and vice versa. You know, I just really want to honour you and that town that you're from. It, it's, 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 it's not a bunch of, you know, whatever, however you might finish that sentence, but we just really want to honour you for who you are and for who you could become and for who God called you to be as a town. Could you imagine a day like that? Maybe it seems like a far off reality, but that's kind of what we're living for. That's what we want to be about as a church. And the opposite to reproach is honour. And so our original design is being restored. And, and with that in mind, it seems that God is calling us, and we're trying to work out as we go along, with your help, exactly all that that means. But we feel like if we want to see the transformation of an area, citywide transformation, this area transformed for the glory of God, it would seem like God would want to really teach us how to honour. And so, as I said last week, it seems to make sense that the majority of the beginnings of this church is made up from a bunch of people from kind of two churches. Now, I know more and more people are being added, and that is amazing because we feel that God is calling you to join us on this journey. But it would seem that from the very beginning and the origins over the last year as we've worked through stuff, it would seem that God is saying, the stuff that I'm going to ask you to proclaim in this city You can't just talk about it. You need to model it. It seems that God has been preparing us to say, I want a people who are willing to lay down what they want to love one another and honor each other well so that your actions actually speak much louder than your words so that you can be a prophetic symbol of what I really want to do out there. Make sense? It feels to me that that's what the Lord has been doing and that's what the Lord has been saying. I'm not going to let you speak with authority about something that you're not prepared to lead the way in yourself. And so, with that mind, I feel like, as I prepared this talk this week and prayed about it, I feel like hope is rising. You know, I, I just wonder about the broken hearts all around this town and city that I believe the, I, I believe heaven is stirred. I believe the angelic is positioned. God is for us. God is for us. I feel like hope wants to start stirring. And as I said last week, we think that that's because we've been working hard at this for many years. Many of some of us in Portadown, some of us in Lurgan, and in the book of Nehemiah, it just mentioned this briefly last week, and it says this in chapter 4 um, on the screen, I think. It says that Nehemiah um, rebuilt the wall till all of it had reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Chapter 4, verse 6, I think. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. And it seems to me that we have got halfway. We've got halfway. And uh, I I was thinking during the week, you know, all the families, Nehemiah positioned, and we'll talk about this in the weeks to come, all the the families to, to do their work on their little patch. But I started to think, you know, isn't it interesting that if you could imagine they were all at their little part of the wall, And they were all building away, probably heads down because it's near the bottom that they're having to rebuild. And then it gets halfway up. They got halfway. And when they got halfway, they probably took a little bit of moment because there was like discouragement and the enemy was coming to try and divide and all of that. And they probably took a little better look around and went, wow, like now we're halfway. And now we can see those guys at the other side of the wall over there and what they've been doing. And it's not just us building our little patch anymore, but maybe we've started to see what this city could start to look like when all these walls are rebuilt. And it feels to me like the Lord in this moment, in this season that we're in, is starting to give us fresh insight, revelation, and perspective. 
And that's why I'm really, really excited about what could happen right around the whole city. We've been building on this side of the wall, and they've been building over there on that side of the wall. And now what if we all, what if, what if we all could tune into the vision that God wants to do in the wider area? And so the rest of this morning, what I want to do is, Chris is going to come and join me in a few seconds. We want to just say, what does it look like to, to build a second half of this wall now? Because after this bit in chapter 4, if you read it yourself, everything starts to get a little bit more strategic and focused and determined and joined up. And, and the, 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 yeah, the level of spiritual um, watching and revelation increases, but also the level of strategy and positioning people in the right places increases. And so as we, um, as we move on, we want to think about how do, we, how do we start seeing this family grow up? And help you understand the family that God is calling us to be in order to take our place on the wall well. So that we can push back that reproach and see a culture of honour established in this town in which we live. And so we're going to just, I'm going to talk just quickly about core values. Which are very simple. And then we're going to talk um, about our six practices. And just to say very quickly, I'm not going to take time this morning to talk about where we are with everything theologically. We, we do uh, have a statement of beliefs that you can look up on the internet or you can come and talk to us about. But just to say we are orthodox pretty much. on So Nicene Creed, right, which has held the church together for like 1,700 years on the main kind of theological issues. For those of you who are really into that, um, we're pretty much along the line of that too. Okay, So we believe in, we're Trinitarian. We believe the Bible is inspired word of God. We believe in Jesus. <laughs> yes. That he lived, that he died, that he rose, that he ascended. We believe that the Holy Spirit is alive. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. We believe that the church is the bride of Christ and God's going to fulfill his plan through his church. And we believe that Jesus is coming back again to judge the living and the dead. There you go. Those are all the primary issues okay, that uh, we, uh, we, 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 we want to go along with. And we reckon that... God knew what he was doing in order to see the church established in those early years. Our core values are pretty much the great, com- the great commandment and the great commission. The three core values, we want to love God. We want to love God with everything we've got, heart, soul, mind and strength. We want to be a people devoted to him. We want to love him well. We want him to have all the affections of our heart. And we want to learn how to grow him better and better. Grow, grow into that better and better. We want to love, sorry, that guy in that uh, cleaner just gets me every week, sorry. <laughs> it's nearly like clockwork, it's the same time every week. Isn't it? Anyway, just, it always throws me for a moment. <laughs> loving God, loving people, we want to be a, a family. We want to uh, love people well. We would love this to become known for a scandalous level of grace in this place. I mean, like, we, we, would, we would love it to, like, challenge us. It's, there's so much grace. Yeah, our, our preconditions. You know, we will speak the truth in love, but we will not judge. If there's anything that we're going to fight in this place, it will be the religious spirit. It will be the people that want to kill grace. That's the kind of thing that we will fight. That's the kind of thing that we want to be resident because we want to love people. Because it's not our job as a church to judge. We're ministers of reconciliation. We draw people close to Jesus. Yeah, that's the kind. Of, we want to love people well. We want to love each other well as a family. We want love to be the thing that glues us together. And thirdly, we want to love the world. So we want to be a family that loves, but we want to be a family on a mission. We're a sent people. 
We have an impulse that should always say go. We're apostolic in the sense that we are a going, sending church moving into the world. And so those are our three values. You could talk a bit more about them, but I don't want to take any more time. So if those are our core values, then how do we practice them? What are some of the unique flavors that we as a church want to embody those values in? What do we feel God is calling us to be? And, and I suppose we could say that um, these six practices are consistent with some of the language with their brothers and sisters in Lurgan and in other parts who are building on the same wall. But they're also probably the best of the language that we as a leadership think describe part of the journey of the different churches that represented the makeup of this new church. And so hopefully, while some of the language might be slightly different, what it's actually saying is very similar to the unique kind of culture and flavor that you have known. But what does it mean for us now as we build up that second part of the wall? So six practices we're going to run through really quite, quite promptly. We're going to teach on these, I should say, through the book of Naya over the next six uh, months or so. So we'll be teaching on these six practices, but we just want to say what they are and tell you a little bit about how we might practice them in order to fill our core values. So we're going to go back and forth here. So this is Chris, if you don't know. Thanks, Alan. Um, so the first of our practices is um, prioritizing presence. And I was thinking about this just this morning even, and I was thinking, you know, it's not enough to hear information about God. It's not enough to read a book about him. And if you want a relationship with somebody, it's not enough to know information about them. You want to get to know them. And the fact is that Jesus came and he said, I've come to reveal a father. So he demonstrated who he was as a son, and he demonstrated who the father was, so that we could be in relationship again with the Father. And so we're prioritizing the presence of God and we want to pursue him. We want to pursue intimacy with God. We, we know that man's chief aim is to glorify God. And so we want to glorify God. We want to worship him. We want to draw close to him uh, in, in all the ways that we can. And it's as we pursue him, we are transformed. We, we gain the mind of heaven. Uh, and so they're able to, to work out how to go. It says in, in Philippians 2, verse 15, that, that we'll be helped to work out how to live in this crooked and depraved world. And in this world that is a real mess, at times we go to God. We orientate ourselves around him. And it's from the place of intimacy and the place of his presence that we then know how to react to all the crazy things that go on in our world and in our life. Um, <clears throat> And so through in that, we also learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. As Alan said, we're Trinitarian. And so we believe that, you know, Jesus said, I have to go, but I'm going to send the Comforter. And he will be with you. In fact, he will be in you. And so we want to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, to minister in spiritual gifts, to listen to what the Spirit is doing and saying. And just as, as Caroline did during worship there this morning, she heard the Spirit's voice and she, she brought something to us. To minister to us directly uh, and so we want to see spiritual gifts develop and grow in your life and in the church we want to look at how that happens in a really natural way that brings continued life and transformation in our environment so just a couple of things ways that we're going to uh, make this uh, practice happen um, this year are going to come up on the screen so we have um, priority and worship and a space for the spirit to move and our Sunday gatherings and so that's what we're going to do with on Sunday mornings and um, once a month on Sunday evenings 
We also have our corporate prayer, which is bi-weekly. So as we were saying um, this morning, it's going to happen every other week in Lurgan and in Portadown. So um, last Wednesday night there, we had a great turnout actually from people who came the whole way from Portadown to Lurgan. Wow. I mean, that's faith in action, isn't it? (laughs) And and so then... um, Next, not, not this coming Wednesday, but the Wednesday after, then people are going to come from Lurgan to Portadown. And there's something about what God is doing across the city that is just encapsulated in that desire to pray together. So that corporate prayer is going to happen um, every other week. Uh, what we're going to do through that, just very briefly to mention, is that we're going to journey through different areas, different spheres of influence. Sometimes we call them the seven mountains of influence, and they're things like education, healthcare arts and media, government, business, religion, family. And we're going to take time to focus and really ask God, what is it that you want to do in those areas? And what about the people in our congregation who are represented working in those areas? How can we stand around them and with them and release them into everything that God has for them in those areas? So we're going to do that. And then we're going to have um, our monthly encounter worship nights. As I've already said, we're going to explore um, how we can get involved in the house of prayer in Portadown. So it's fantastic that there's already lots of stuff happening in our town. Uh, And rather than just start our own things all of the time, we want to maybe join in with things that are happening already. So the house of prayer, if you don't know, um, but if you're familiar with coffee shops, it's above Chimes, um, which is just beside where Portadown Times used to be. And it's open currently on Friday mornings from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So if you want to go and start praying for our town, you can go and do that there. But we'll be talking over the next few months about how we can continue to support that initiative. And then we also want to look at how we connect with 24-7 prayer on a national level. Again, involved in different things that are happening with that prayer movement right throughout Ireland. And again, we'll, we'll let you know a little bit more about that soon. Okay, so the second one is uh, mobilizing mission as well as pursuing the presence of God and making that our chief aim. We want to mobilize mission. We want to, as I said, fulfill the Great Commission, be a family on a mission. We want the impulse to continually be beating with a sense of going and sending. And here's some of the ways that we want to practice that in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, if you want to use that pattern that Jesus gave us. Here's, here's some of the ways. First and foremost, we want to see a strong uh, culture of just everyone, every day, everywhere, being missionaries wherever we live. Do you know what I mean? Some of us work in, in, in surgeries, in, 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 uh, in classrooms. So, some of us are called to be hairdressers and builders and plumbers and seasons of life where we're called to be um, just committed to family. But you know, in most of those areas, you get paid for it to be a missionary every day. And so we really want to celebrate a culture of people just doing that in everyday life and in their everyday ways. And we want to reinforce that in the ways that we teach, but also in the stories that we share. We want to um, explore ways to serve and bless Portadown. Um, uh, some people are thinking of doing the, the up-and-coming couch to 5K, isn't that right, Chris? Um, uh, in Portadown People's Park and just natural ways that we can develop relationships with people and seek out those men and women of peace already opening up doors for the kingdom in Portadown. We want to aim at a, a bit of a connect coffee morning over the next couple of months. We'd love to get that up and running just one morning a month, one more morning a week, potentially out of the, uh, the associated building where we can um, re- re- reach out to many people around this area 
Um, and uh, we could correspond that with some kind of presence up the streets where we have some people that are comfortable like uh, as evangelists really on the streets just talking, blessing people but pointing them somewhere to come as well. We, we want to join in with in the spring with some um, citywide initiatives along with the church in Lurgan and some of the other guys. We'd love to just do a big kind of servant-hearted evangelism initiative for a week probably in mid-May or so. There's a few more in this. We'd love to explore opportunities to serve the people of the Gervaki Road. We feel that God has called us to position ourselves um, here. And um, we'd love to support some of the existing things. There's a youth club there that's happened for years. People, uh, members of this church that are very faithful in serving and volunteering there on Friday nights with lots of kids there. And we'd love to continue to bless them in what they do. Begin the prayer walk uh, a little bit after Easter when the light nights come in. And support mission initiatives beyond just here as well. You know, God has called us to the nations. We know we have um, some missionaries here, Wayne and Sue, just to mention a couple. Nina's going to um, India again on a trip in February. And we want to just highlight that and bless people who God has called to the nations. The third one is growing as a family. We are a, a family and it's uh, the primary motive for the kingdom of God is family. It's not business. It's not organization. It's not a good gig. It's, it's family, and uh, so we want to work hard at trying to do that. And so over the next number of weeks and months, uh, we're going to try and prioritize a number of family events. We think it's important for people to get to know each other. You stick that next one on. Thanks, John. We're going to prioritize a number of church family days. We're going to leave space in our Sunday gatherings over the next weeks to allow people to get to know each other. Some creative ways to do that without it being too cringe, I, I promise. Um, we're going to encourage natural relationships to form. So we'd, we'd love you to be courageous. Ask somebody out for a coffee. If you don't want them in your home just yet, you know, just take the first step, you know, for, for, for a coffee. And uh, just get to know people as naturally and as organically as you can. If everyone could have courage to do that. In time, we will move towards home group structures. But maybe we're lacking faith here. But we kind of think that if we were just to go, we're going to start home groups next week. Everybody might slightly retreat to who they know. Could be wrong. But uh, we thought we'd just let this evolve a little bit more naturally. And then in time, we will look to like home group stru- structures and uh, smaller discipleship structures. And then we just want to build a sense of family, as Chris uh, relayed there, between Lurgan and Portadown and corporate prayer and other things in the days ahead will be important. Because while it's a different town, it's the same wall. Right? It's a different town, but it's the same wall. And we want to work hard to do that together. All right, um, so the next one is investing in youth. And I was just over there um, seeing what was going on, and it was bedlam. So any parents that send their children in, they were like, but you know, it's amazing. There are one-third of the people that come to this church um, are, are children, and that's fantastic. And it's great that God has blessed us with that. And so you know, they have as much space in there as we have in here because we want to invest in our children and in our youth. Um, um, we know that, you know, sometimes people say they're, they're the church of tomorrow, but they are the church of today and they get everything that we get. They get to practice these things that we're talking about now. They get to go into their school environments and see the kingdom come. Um, they, they get to pray for their friends. They get to receive the Holy Spirit. They get to minister. They get to teach. And, and you know, actually... If we're humble enough as adults just to listen for a minute, we'll learn a lot from our children 
about how um, to relate to God. They're wonderful, and so we will be investing in them in lots of different ways. Um, and we actually are starting to think then about generations ahead, about two and three generations. What kind of city do we want our children to grow up in or our grandchildren to grow up in? Because if we're going to think that far ahead, we need to invest now in those kids and those young people, and they're wonderful. So over the next couple of months, uh, how we're going to practice this is we're going to develop strong and healthy kids ministry. Um, we are going to um, do some stuff right across the, the whole kind of area in terms of um, there's, we're developing youth and children's curriculums for 0 to 18, and that's an ongoing process with involvement from this church and from Lurgan. Um, we want to see youth ministry flourish, and so we have uh, Emma and Wilson who are coordinating that and, and doing fantastic work. Uh, and actually what we want to do with our youth is to see the, the younger teenagers really grow and be discipled, but as they get a little bit older, that we're also then giving them responsibility and helping them to become leaders in their own right so that those older teenagers can be leading the younger teenagers and so that when they become adults, they're equipped uh, for ministry in all areas of the church. Uh, and then um, we have people here working in different youth things at the minute. Wilson is currently working with Urban Saints and, and has been given an opportunity recently to work in Kilikimian School every Friday. And so I just encourage you to pray for Wilson and just the favour that God has placed on him for that. That's pretty much all of those things, yeah. Good stuff. Two more for all the brief ones to say that training leaders... Yeah, we uh, feel that part of the Great Commission is the constant raising up of leaders. Paul said to Timothy, and what you've learned from me, entrust to faithful men, and we believe that means men and women, entrust to faithful men and women to raise them up to basically do what, what we do, and, um, or what, what I do, Paul was saying to Timothy. And, uh, and so we feel like we need to be intentional about that. We feel like we want to see um, the kingdom break out in loads of different ways. Um, we think the local church is the hope of the world. But we think it's future lies in the hands of its leaders and uh, to quote Bill Hybels. And so we just want to be intentional about that. And so some ways that we want to um, talk about that in the days to come is just to introduce many of you to some of the Emmanuel Leadership Development Pathway that we have been working on over the last number of years. And it's been wonderful to see a number of leaders come through that. We have a school of destiny called Ignite. We run a training leaders program where we see a grace of leadership on people and then we uh, journey with people like Paul did with Timothy into what we call apostolic apprenticing which is people who have a primary grace in the church to be developed in the same imprint that we feel God is placing in us and to release them to go and plant more churches because that's the fulfilling of the great commission and uh, over the next number of weeks and we'll see in the book of Nehemiah how leaders of different families were essential to see that wall built and um, in, a, in a culture that wants to kind of just have a pop at leadership and even where leadership is badly modelled we really want to pursue the ways of servant-hearted kingdom leadership that Jesus embodied and uh, see many people released in that. Final one, Chris. All right, so the final one is striving for kingdom unity. And I think even just as Alan had mentioned earlier, what we have done in, in joining you know, a couple of churches together really embodies that, but also that we want to look at, well, what's God doing right across um, the church in the wider area? Jesus' prayer, um, near the end of his ministry, when he was praying to the Father, he said, Father, may they be one, may we be one, just as, as we are one. So Jesus wanted and recognized there was something about the unity of the Trinity that was to find its fulfillment 
in the people of the church that actually when we, we join together, we represent more fully who God is. And, and unity commands a blessing, as it says in Psalm 133. But there's something about what we've done in, in doing starting this church that when people hear about it, they keep asking more questions and they want to know, you join two churches together, how does that work? Why does that work? They're inquisitive that in, in a time when, when we hear about church splits and, and division, when things in our society and our culture are breaking down, the, the unity is something that re- is really attractive because it is something that comes from the heart of God. So very briefly, what we're going to do is continue to do that in, in, our, in our own group, in our own midst, but we're also going to look at how we can connect with other churches in our town. Um, I've been part of uh, Port Down Church's sort of different uh, groups together uh, over the last number of years um, and involved in setting up the food bank, which is one food bank for the whole area, for the whole wider Craig Avenue area. We've done some different meetings with different ministers. Uh, and even just as we've gone out and started this church, we've gone out to the churches and said, listen, we're not here to compete with you. Here's what we want to do. Can we have coffee? Can we have chat? Can we build unity? Alan's going to speak um, next month in uh, Portadown Elam, which is fantastic as well. And then, as we said about the House of Prayer, we are, are going to join together with that prayer initiative. And we're also going to look at, you know, what can we do to continue to build unity in our town? Maybe there's an opportunity to get together and pray together over the Easter week. Lots of different things like that. But we'd also like to hear from you. What do you think that we should be doing to build unity in the town? Great. Thanks, Chris. Hopefully that has made some sense. I know there's quite a bit of information there, but we just wanted to give you a peering look into where we think we're going and what six kind of practices we want to practice in our in our life and in the culture of what we feel God is calling us to establish here as we put our shoulders to the to, to the wheel really to see the second half of the wall built up and a vision for the city come. Um, I suppose what how we want to finish is by saying we're going to be teaching on those over the next number of weeks more of what we mean. We're also just going to be get the feel of what they mean by talking to you and getting feedback from you. But I suppose what we want to say is how do we all respond to this? Part of articulating vision is 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 is, is getting is, is painting a picture of where we're going, but it's also helping um, helping bring a realization of why we can't stay where we are. And the reality is like. You know, there's still far too many people in this city that are lost. There's still far too many people in this city that are suffering from mental health. There's still far too many people in this city last year. It's gone down a bit, but there's still far too many people that take their own life in this area. There's still far too many people that are suffering from poverty and depression. And, you know, while it's on our watch, and there's still far too much sectarianism, and there's still far too much bigotry, and there's still far too much of that kind of stuff, and so we can't stay where we are, I don't believe, as people that God has called to on in this area. And so we, we would love you, and together we'd love to be a family, all of us playing our part on this wall to see something happen in this city. And, and so what we don't want to create is a busy church. We don't want to be busy with Christian activity. We want to release you towards broken humanity. And so we want to help you be the salt of the earth wherever you go every day to do that. We want to release you to do that. But like every family, we don't want that just to be some loose kind of nebulous thing where we're not really sure what we're doing. Every family 
needs a place to come home to, needs a table to eat at, needs a place to feel encouraged. And so we would love this place to become a stronghold for the Lord, a city on a hill. So we want to be both the salt of the earth and both a city on a hill. So we're not trying to like jam-pack the diary with loads of meetings so people are out every night of the week. We're looking to release you to go and love your neighbours well and, and be a witness for Jesus, an ambassador for him in the spheres of influence where you find yourself every day. But, but we, at the same time, in order with their, whatever it is, like 160, 180 people, like every family needs a bit of order. And so we'd love it if you would maybe join in, particularly for our Sunday gatherings here, to help us make these work. And our goal is to try and get the rotas and enough volunteers and servants to do that, that in each team that you'd only have to be in a rota one and four. Okay, that's what we're aiming for because we want people to come and enjoy church with their families. But equally, we want to create a family and with order to it that things can get done well and people can be looked after when they come in. And so we just want to leave time now as we finish to, uh, to, to at the back two tables are the different ministry areas from helping set up here practically with the church to hospitality to helping with kids' work to a number of other things that are at the back. We'd love you to sign up and uh, to help us with that if, if you're not already, of course. And we're aiming to try and get the rooted to that place. Is that all right? In conclusion, you're going to get passed out now. We're not going to sing or anything to finish. I'm going to pray in a moment, but we'd love to do in conclusion. Jason um, and some of the guys are going to give out now um, a little contact card. If you would like to stay in touch and or be kept in touch with what God's doing, or what we're doing, and what we think God's telling us to do. Um, we'd love you to fill that little contact form in now. Sorry, to, it seems a little bit like school, but we just think it's the easiest way we can get this done. If you, if you don't want to give us your contact details, that's perfectly fine. As Chris said at the start, there's one sheet with a number of different parts of names for it, and you can fill that in as well. There's another form, another kind of uh, one page that you're going to get as well. And uh, it will be given out to you um, and just a summary of what we talked about today. So um, we'll put some um, mood music on or something in the background just for, just for a couple of minutes as we do this. We'd just love to, love to get your details so we can stay in touch if you're sending out emails or anything like that that we can make sure that you're not missed. And uh, um, yeah, we'll start to build a little bit of a database here.